uh, we're continuing our series in Second Corinthians. Um, we chose this because it was a New Testament book and we wanted to head in the direction of the New Testament, but also because uh, we wanted to, particularly at the start of lockdown, we wanted to bring some of God's comfort. Um, and the book largely does that. In fact, it does that all the way through. And we reach this passage, uh, chapter 7, 8 and 9, uh, where it changes tack a little bit. It talks about money more than it talks about comfort, or at least that's how it seems. Now, I want, if I'm really honest, um, I want to talk to you as much about money as about as much as I want to talk to my kids about the birds and the bees. And But, but here we are money is the passage and as we explored last week money because of the way it overlaps every inch of society every inch of our lives the way that we do stuff the way that we think the way that we function it is part of what comfort is we are comforted in some really real senses by by the comfort that money brings and we bring comfort um, with the money that we can distribute and there is a so we've kind of got to talk about it. And there is a constant encouragement in the Bible for us to give, to give of ourselves, to be givers, to see other people and want to give, to care, to give money, all those all those kind of things. And to level with you, this is a, and I speak with my, I work down the mill uh, head on here. This is a really hard mentality to keep, I think, for us in a world where in a world that takes so much from us all the time. Do you, do you feel that? Do you feel like the world, do you know when when the monthly salary goes in, when the when the pot of money goes in, it fe- you can almost see the pot sort of established there and you can almost see the people dipping in straight away as soon as it goes in, the taxman puts his hand in, the direct debits come out, the kids want some money, whatever else it is, it, it feels like it's just almost fair game and you've got to sort of, Hold it back, and it's just, it's not just with money. I, I think that we feel that. I think we feel that with our time, with our energy, with our personality. It feels like it's quickly taken from us, and that's what the world wants to do. And it feels wise, uh, therefore, that we've kind of got a guard. We've got to guard it more, or we end up with nothing. And yet, a challenge that Christianity, that that Jesus Christ uh, lays before us, he says really simply. And almost without qualification, it's just better to give than to receive. It's just better. It's just this lovely, unqualified statement. It's just better. Better to be somebody that gives out, to remain somebody that gives out. This little story, I think, this little passage that John's just read out for us, gives us, I think, a nudge of encouragement and a bit of a reason, I think, a logical reason as to why it's good for us to think like that and, and better to stay a giver. And we're not just talking about money, although this passage talks explicitly about money. I think it just talks about our nature, being people that give out uh, rather than hang on. That's the challenge. Um, it's helpful to have a little bit of context um, to this story. And it's really an appeal. This This chunk of the letter is an appeal. So you can have... Have a little bit of Live Aid, have a little bit of Bob Geldof in your head uh, when you read through uh, this little text here. Um, because it is, it's an appeal from a poorer, struggling church 
to a church that's got a bit more money. Context that will help you a little bit is to know, well, let's go back. As the church, the church is born out of Jerusalem, out of Judaism, and it shoots out into two main divisions. One, I mean, since it's it shooting out into a lot more divisions, as, is, as has been our way. But it started off being Jewish, really, doing Jewishy things or doing Gentile things. That's that's sort of how the how the church bore out. And as that happened, it had with it its associated difficulties. The 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 Jewish, the more predominantly Jewish thinking churches would give a bit of needle to the Gentile churches, and I'm sure the Gentile churches would give a bit of needle back just about the way that they did things. You know, one would be through different, a diff, you know, from from one perspective more holy than the other. And the famine hits the Jewish church. That's what happens. There's a famine in Israel, as happened in the Bible. We know we read about that, don't we? And Paul asks the wealthier Gentile church, who've probably had a bit of lip from their Jewish brothers over the years, he says, I want you to give to this poorer church. And he brings this big appeal. And he uses... A bit like Bob Geldof, he uses sort of every angle you can think of to sort of present the appeal, doesn't it? It's it's an appeal. He says, the Macedonians, they don't have a lot they're giving. Titus, this guy, you've met Titus, he's a really top bloke. He's a good guy. He's giving. You know, you like him. You like Titus. He's a good guy and he's giving. Uh, there's two, if, if you notice in the text, it talks about two other people that don't really get a name. And I'm assuming that they're, that they're not given a name because they're so famous. They don't really even need a name. Read, read about them in verse 17, oh, sorry, verse 18 and 22. Some people think it might have been Barnabas, the great early encourager. But these, you know, Paul gives us just this big appeal. He even says um, in verse 21, as we see on our television screens uh, now, as we've got, you know, as we've got to see, I guess, that he's going to deal favorably with the money. He's, he's going to be overt. He's going to overtly show that the money has been distributed fairly. It's got all the elements of the Live Aid appeal. It's like a give us your money appeal. And it's a dilemma for the for the Corinthians. They've got this guy, Paul, who if you sort of read between the lines, it looks like the Corinthian church don't necessarily really, I don't know if they like him or totally trust him. And he's asking them to consider these holy Joe Jewish people that live somewhere where they're probably never ever going to go, probably won't ever see. He's asking them to give away their hard-earned cash because because they're Christians and because they have and the others don't have. That's the dilemma. What would you do? What do you do? So this this challenge it it gives us, I think, a cup. A couple of challenges and I don't know if they're challenges or wisdoms, insights onto onto money that I'm just going to verbalize to you, sort of share with you. And then I think a reason why we should keep in mind that it's good to be a giver. So the first, the first wisdom, the first insight is that we should stay soft, that our hearts should always be moved inequality that's the first challenge that he puts before us i think i kind of said this in the intro but i think life really hardens us do you feel that do you feel like living in the world sort of toughens you up 
as I said at the start, it already feels like the world's on the take from us. We already feel stretched. And I don't know if you feel this. I sometimes feel like there is a limit to how much care of other people I can give out. It's like I've got a capacity. And and I think you get compassion fatigue. I think that's the other thing that you get. I think you, you see so much struggling and suffering in the world anytime you put the news on or or YouTube on. And I think you reach a point where you're kind of just fatigued with it all. You feel like, I don't know, you can just somehow digest all this inequality without it moving you. And, and you kind of distract yourself or you distance yourself from it. So I had an experience just the other night I was watching a documentary on, it was on India and it listed, you know, the I think it was hundreds of thousands of kids that are orphans, you know, on the street that, that have ended up without their parents. And somehow I was able just to watch it. This is a horrible confession, but it's too, I was able just to compute that, that staggering number of kids who didn't have, uh, you know, who were on the streets and were really struggling. And I could just deal with it. I, and I, I think it was more that I just said, look, I just can't let this horrible statistic in. Do you do that? Do you just think this, you, you see some some causes and you go, I just need to keep that at arm's length because I, I can't cope with that. It's, I do a similar thing with with children in need. You you watch um, or any of any of these big appeals that come on the TV. You you see them and you think, I just I don't know that I can let that into my life. I feel like I've got enough on with my family or my own set of circumstances or my little town. There's enough trauma there and you kind of you kind of harden up. I've hardened up to it. Paul says um, in verse 19 of this passage, he says to them, you may see it in the text, verse 19, these are our, these are our brothers and sisters. It almost reads like he's saying, we've, we've got to show that we care. We've got to honour God with this. You read through Read through the Bible, but particularly read through New Testament, read through the Gospels, read about Jesus, read the stories of Jesus. You don't really ever turn a page, I don't think, in in the Gospels without seeing Jesus' total compassion for people. You would use the language that he's a softie. He, he is unable to walk past people. He stays, even when the world hits him, even when it ignores him, he stays soft and he stays compassionate. This is our challenge. And I don't think it's about quantities and it's not about money. I think it's about heart and about staying soft. That's the first challenge that I think we see laid before us in this section. Paul says to the brothers and sisters at Corinth, he says, you need to stay soft. If you're following this man, Jesus, you need to stay soft. Second one, and it's the last bit of insight before I give you uh, a reason. Be aware that your actions with money will speak louder than your voice. So it really matters what you do with your cash. And we kind of know this, don't we? When our government says something like, oh, we really care about A, B or C issue. We really care about this. It really matters to us. But then they don't they don't put any money into it. You kind of, You kind of know that they can only really care so much because money represents, in a lot of ways, what we do really care about. It just does just the way that the world works and we see i think in this little section we see how it can work for good 
and how it can work for ill. So read with me verse 20 and 21 of chapter 8. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. We are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. Paul says, we're going to go out of our way. And this is really one for the church. The church has not done great historically with, with money, not all the time. Paul says, we're going to go out of our way to overtly show you that we're going to distribute it fairly, that we're going, you know, you're going to, we're going to be really transparent with the money that we've got. And he sort of implies, he says, because if we don't, if, if in this instance we're not trustworthy, then essentially our, you know, our testimony is ruined. And it's true, isn't it? When you, th- when you think about it, it doesn't matter really what people say. If they are dishonest with the scales, if they lie about something like money, then you can only really trust them so far. It can, it can speak volumes about a person if they're dishonest with money. Conversely, check out uh, verse 1 and 2 of chapter 9. Uh, There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them into action so he sort of says these for context the people in macedonia were relatively poor relative to the times they'd had little money and paul says in this moment they heard about your generosity they heard about what you were doing with your money and they went yeah this is this is this is inspiring we're going to give as well because we've seen what these other people do with their money so it flips both way it can be a huge you know positive or a tricky negative money is really persuasive it speaks volumes about what's going on inside of us it can be massively persuasive um, for people observing how we live our lives i think one of the most powerful moments in the new testament and you might have your own little thoughts on what is the most powerful moment in the new testament but for me, one of the most powerful moments in the New Testament is when Jesus looks up and he sees the widow. Do you know the story of the widow's might? He sees this older lady with nothing, really, giving everything that she has. And even Jesus in that moment is moved. It can be massively moving what we decide to give our time and our energies and our monies towards. And Maybe you hear that, and, and as with Corinth and the Corinthians, you can kind of you kind of absorb most of it, and you go, "Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Ash. I know, I know that it speaks volumes what I spend my money on. I know that deep down, and I know deep down that it's good to give. And I, I can, you know, I say this again with my I worked in the mill for the little family business." for, I don't know, 15, 16 years, it feels like we earn every penny, doesn't it? Felt like I grafted over every penny, I know that. And the world pulls so much of it out of our hand and we work so hard, it's it's really difficult to see it like that. Jesus, oh, Jesus, 
Paul gives us one last reason at the end of the culmination of this story for us to think to sort of burst that bubble that we that we are in in this world where we hold money so closely and this is tricky to to talk about but it is it's a bubble bursting picture that Paul presents to us read it with me chapter 9 verse 3 and 3 to 5 this is going to I don't know how much money the church at Corinth had I don't know how they held it but this is going to make them think think about the world think about um, their place in it but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you because Paul had boasted about the church at Corinth he'd bragged about it these are good people in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians, and you can add the descriptor after that in brackets, you know, poor, poor Macedonians, if any of the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, pause over this bit, we, not to say anything about you, but we and you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. See what he says there? He presents them with a picture of their future, which I think may well happen, often has happened. He says to them, in your future, good Corinthian people, there is a moment uh, when you're going to be faced uh, with me. And you're going to realise when you see me, and maybe even the, the Macedonians with me, these this poor bunch of people who've given, given everything, and you see me and the mission that I'm on, and you're going to be reminded sort of powerfully in that moment what all this is, is all about caring for brothers and sisters the work of god on the earth you're you're going to have this moment when you see that and the reality hits you the penny drops for you and you're gonna and i've had in my notes all week i've had in my notes that they, they're going to verbal verbalize that they're going to have wished they would have given more i had that in my notes from monday through to uh, last night but that's not what the passage says is it, it doesn't say that they would have wished that they would have given more. The last little verse on the end of that text, it says that they're going to wish that they had given from their hearts. They're going to look at the way that they've given and that will be their huge regret. Not necessarily an amount of money, but the way that they give it. The Bible um, presents this constant picture before us of a future moment that we that we'll face and it says we'll face a moment uh, when we will see so i'm telling you this as a christian I don't know if you're watching and what you think about all this it says that we're going to face a future moment where we're going to see jesus we're going to physically see him and it says in that moment penny's going to drop for us we're going to see in a similar way that the Corinthians saw the cost that accompanied Paul and that mission, we're going to see the cost that Jesus paid. We're going to see the nails in his hands. 
and the penny's going to really drop for us. We're going to see the mission, and we'll in that moment. This this is what the Bible says. In our future is a moment where we'll see the cost and get the mission in a way that we've never got it before, and go, man, that's what it was all about. And in that moment as well, we will see our stuff, our possessions for what they really are. In that moment, just stuff, stuff that we've got a steward given by the grace of God, and we will see our brothers and sisters across the world, not as people that we compete with, but as brothers and sisters. And in that moment, it says, not that we will wish we'd have given more, more pennies, but our heart, as we are faced with Jesus, and all that is done, our heart will be aching that we had not given more generously, more graciously, more genuinely, more lovingly. When, we, when we're faced with Jesus. So the Bible leaves us with these challenges. It says things like cast your bread on the water. Make an investment. That's Ecclesiastes. Look that one up. I think it's chapter 11. Look that one up there. On. Cast your bread on the water. Make an investment. You've got no idea whether it's going to come in, but make a good investment. Give your coat. I think it's John the Baptist that says, gives your coat to a guy who doesn't have one if you see a guy without Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. There you go. Some tricky challenges on money. And the prospect that we will be faced one day uh, with a saviour who paid a cost that kind of blow us away. Welcome back, everyone. I'm really pleased to be joined again by Ash and Paul. Nice to have you with us, guys. Hiya. You all right? Hiya. Yeah, doing well. Thank you. Doing well. Um, I don't envy uh, either of you having to talk talk on that one. <laughs> Paul, you were talking about money last week. Ash, you've done it again this week. It's unusual for Christ Church to, but it, it's this it's part of the passages that we're working our way through. Um, why why is it that we are so nervous? Do you think about about talking about money? Mm-hmm. Are are you not? Is it just me? <laughs> Maybe it's no, just me that gets nervous. I was just about thinking it. we don't uh, we don't talk about money. <laughs> this is the most <laughs> I've talked about money with you for a while. Um, I think um, I think part of the challenge is that we we very often we disconnect um, spirituality and faith from the kind of day to day realities of living, and there's a whole load of ways in which the growth of the church, our working out of faith, the way that we express our faith, they're actually rooted in down-to-earth stuff, but we almost feel as though faith is somehow this thing which is above there and it's almost um, you know, anything kind of grimy like money. <laughs> we, we don't really want to introduce it into the faith discussion. Uh, but Almost to pull it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, as Jesus says again and again, the way we deal with possessions is the way in which we express the depth and reality of how that faith is working out in practice. I wonder if we're nervous to talk about it because we are quite in, I think it's fair to say we're quite an individualistic culture. And you know, like what you were saying, Ash, about we feel like it's ours. Do you know because um because we've earned it and it 
it can how much or how little we have it maybe feels like we it classifies who who we are do you think that's still do you think i mean i know the idea of class is a little bit outdated do you think that's still relevant or yeah I, some, so when i was prepping this i was trying to think am i a representative of everybody um do or do i i, 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 I tried not to I, I notice i keep saying about talking about the mill and um Maybe I, I overham it sometimes, but it was I was there years and years, and I, it has really shaped my view of money, and I, don't, I think it's probably shaped me to be quite very aware, probably tight, and probably uh, probably not want to talk about it very much. You know those sorts those those sorts of things. I think that might be a little bit of a yeah, that might be representative. I don't know if representative of my class, my circumstance. I'm not. I'm not sure, but I was really at a wrestle. I thought, am I, am I, the, am I the norm when thinking about money? Maybe you know, you asked the question. Maybe everybody else is has, has already come to terms with the fact that um, you know they they can have an open chat about it, and also that, as Paul says, that God God works through it in different ways. I don't know. I think I think it. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a struggle um, yeah. for people. I think it's because it's it's personal. You know, it really. It's deep, deeply personal. Somehow, because of the way it works its way through the fabric of, you know, our lives and culture and stuff, it's because it, you know, because how much you earn matters. Um, you know, that kind of it re represents success, and you know, in some ways, it becomes really, really, you know, personal. Yeah. But then again, I don't know. Maybe that's just my <laughs> my worldview. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a really tricky one. What do you think? So I think we're probably, I don't think it's just you, Ash. I, I, think, I think we're kind of agreed, at least amongst the three of us, that we all find it quite a difficult thing. We're quite shy about it and quite nervous to talk about it. What do you think our responses as Christians? Should it be something as Christians that we're near? Is it kind of fair game to be nervous about talking about money or shy about talking about money? That's kind of the norm. Or do you think as Christians that's some barriers that we should be breaking down a little bit and be be more comfortable about that? What do you think? I think um, I think it's really really difficult to talk about money um, when you're when you're kind of involved and working full time in the church. And you're very conscious that that part of this conversation is is actually talking about your own income, and that, and I found that incredibly difficult. Um, so maybe it's easier for me to talk about it in lots of ways. Um, so so I, I've been for for whatever happened in my life, I think one of the things that that it seems to me is I've ended up being involved in lots lots of kind of startup situations. So Christchurch is a kind of startup situation, and I'm back in that world. I'm back in that world um, from a commercial point of view, and there is absolutely no qualms whatsoever about talking about money, um, because money is necessary to do the jobs that you need to do to make this to make this business work, to grow this activity. So that the good that we want to deliver through this business for caring for for people is, is worked out, you know. So there's no qualms, um, and I think I, I would want to say the same about the church. You know, the the church relieves this relieves the 
physical and spiritual suffering of individuals, if we don't see that the pro proclamation of the gospel is the relieving of spiritual suffering in the local community of the church, we're missing the purpose of the church. Uh, and so the church needs to needs to function it needs to be resourced it needs to move forward uh, and i'm i feel really comfortable to say that and to say the church that we're part of needs that and and there's times when it it's it's finding it tough like like lots of lots of situations and individuals are finding it tough um but i think the other thing is that there's been so you see so much in the in the wider kind of representations of the church where it's all about money mm. and actually it's just that the, the message of the gospel is being twisted and perverted in such a way that individuals are using it to, to line profit. their pockets and to profit in mm -hmm. in terrible ways Mm. Uh, and I think that that sometimes makes us reluctant then to talk about it because we don't want to be, we don't want to be considered in that or put it, you know, whitewashed with that kind of um, act yeah. idea that, you know, we're all in that, we're just all marked with that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Paul references so that we back in, away. in the chat, doesn't he? Paul he does, references, he says, I need to be overt about the fact that I'm going to, I want you to know exactly how much we've got and how I'm going to spend it, where I'm going to distribute it, what it's for, which is representative of what the, uh, what our tele-broadcasters have had to do over the last 10 or 15 years. They've had to say, <laughs> it's going to go exactly here because it, yeah. really, it does really matter. Totally. I think, I think as a church, we're a bit nervous because we've maybe, it's maybe not, maybe historically we've had ups and downs with how we've you know, dealt with money. Maybe mm -hmm. there's been moments of lining our pockets there's also been moments of extreme uh, generosity and kindness. I was I was interested to read um, on the book of Proverbs, which talks about money more than you might think. 50% of the time, it talks about money being a good thing. And 50%, so you, you know how you try and work out Proverbs and one thing says one thing, one thing says another. Half the time, um, the, the proverb, uh, Solomon, or whoever else chipped in, talks about money in a really positive way it's great god's given us it, it's brilliant and then half the time he talks about it being ruinous which i think is pretty mm. you know pretty accurate actually yeah. i think it is it is yeah. it is 50 percent of the time great and brilliant yeah. and a bless a blessing from god to be uh, to bless other people with but because mm. we're human beings half the time um we're going to end up in a bit corrupted by it and we're going to end up mm. So I Maybe think... that's an interesting lesson to like give with one hand and pray with the other hand that, yeah. that it won't yeah. be corruptest. And... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think one of the ways that Paul's really practical in this section, and you pulled it out really helpfully, what, he's, what he does is he, he creates a context in which there's complete transparency in the way this money is being used. So I'm sending a couple of people to be in, in advance we're then going to carry the money together. It's not going to be just me sort of taking the money by myself. There's, there's going to be an open accounting concept here. You know, we're going to, everybody mm -hmm. can see what we're doing. Um, I, and I think what Paul's doing there is he's saying just what, what you're saying there, Ash, is 
it, I want you I want you to know that we are going to be transparent in the way that we use it. And I think that that's probably an important kind of concept for us to think about mm-hmm. is that openness and yeah, p- people might not necessarily agree um, <laughs> with how it's used, but at least it's open it's about it in the openness. Yeah, absolutely. I was comparing it with I was watching a panorama panorama documentary on the church down in London somewhere that had, in a, in a very manipulative way, basically managed various vulnerable people in the congregation to take out loans and and the various oh. individuals in the church are siphoning off the money, and and that's the reality. You know, we've we've got to confront that side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the way you confront that side of it is by being open and honest and and transparent in it. So mm-hmm. I was interested. But, but, yeah. Oh, Go on, carry. Carry on. I was interested to see the weight of. So I'd read. I'd, I'd not seen so much that um, the issue for Paul, the appeal was was people been in a bit of. You know, I'd seen it was the bag for church. I'd, and I, I, that's how I'd come to understand the letters of. Corinthians as a kid growing up yeah there was he was thanking the church for money so the church can function and so there's that part of it but it also I think just as much there is the the hardship that was going on back home so to speak it was you know it was for something and that sort of stretched my view more broadly as to what it means to be somebody who gives you know towards the gospel I know last week Jude asked at the start about separating off giving to charities and giving to the gospel you know and you were quick to say no. There's, there's more overlap there. I think, I think that's what you said. There's more overlap there than you might think. And I think, you know, in, in this instance, you you can see man's, mankind's physical needs, met by the church. There is a bit of an overlap, you know, there for us. So it it made that made giving the sermon a bit easier because it, it's like well, I'm not just talking about church here. I'm talking about <laughs> the needs of the planet. And I think there is, there should be overlap for the church on those things. We should stay. <clears throat> we should stay compassionate. So that was, that, you know, working down the mill is a compassion killer <laughs> because I see every penny. I see every, I could, you know, I could tell you how much we earn every 10 minutes, how much we earn every hour, how much we missed by not working that time. And it sort of programmed me to sort of really think, oh, I need to work this long and keep this much or I'm going to struggle. And, you know, maybe some people deal better with that uh, than I would have done. But it was a bit of a compassion killer. And I think, the gospel work tries to break that a little bit in us. And I think Jesus breaks that in in, in us a little bit and shows us, you know, because there is this, I think there is, a, certainly for me, there's a constant battle of how much do I grab and need to protect, you know, and and how much should I stay overtly, you know, how generous should I be? Mm. When does that become foolish to look at something and go, oh, they, they really need that. I'm going to, I'm going to be silly here. Uh, with with my giving yeah, i think it's Paul. really interesting to see paul's heart for the gospel in this like and i think you know we're reading second corinthians just now um in our context but paul's context is his life has been completely transformed by jesus he is and i mean that is true for us but he had this you know damascus road experience yeah. and you know you could say he's a fundamentalist for the gospel. He is a, a revolutionary for it. He is um, obsessed. He is, you know, like it's it's completely his sole focus 
in life and I think that really uh, comes across when he's asked you know I don't sense that's you know we're talking about being embarrassed and shy by money but for Paul he's like guys the gospel's the main thing crack on let's go <laughs> or that's how it reads to me it's, it's been, uh... and in that he's also as you mentioned earlier Ash he's also bringing out a fundamental about the gospel is that you are you are seeking the release of the relief of physical and spiritual suffering for individuals who you might not necessarily get along with that yeah, that's the nature of the church it, it's actually him saying this is a, this is the supporting the church in jerusalem who who might have been actually quite critical of you but um and you might have been critical of them and all of those human emotions have been born out well, don't forget what what Jesus has done for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, while you were while you were enemies of the gospel, he loved you, um, mm-hmm. and therefore use that motivation for your generosity. It's it's mm-hmm. an incredibly powerful thing that he talks about. Yeah, I I really liked Ash how you pulled out that idea of um, keeping our hearts soft. And that our motivation really needs to come from our heart in terms of giving. There isn't actually, if it's not coming from the heart, what, you know, what is it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but that is something I feel like we talk about a lot at church, you know, keeping our hearts off, being motivated in response, a heartfelt response, genuine response. Can you guys, um, that's something that's tricky, difficult, you know, almost the minute we try to make it about the heart, we kind of fall foul of our own, you know, shortcomings. Have you got any insight or advice into how we keep heart motivated with in life, even not just with giving? Well, that, I mean, that's that's really tough. I think at the at the most fundamental level, it, it's having a desire to be constantly shaped in every aspect of life by the gospel. Uh, and we can't do that. It's a gift of God for us to be able to do that. And so that reliance on him, that we would be shaped in our thinking, that we would have a gospel mindset to all of our resources, to our time, to our attitudes, to our to our resources in money and possessions and uh, emotional giving and, and all of those different things shaped by shaped by the gospel to me is when we understand what we have received as you said earlier it anything that we have will pale into insignificance for me i am i'm i think i'm very i'm a, i'm very aware sometimes that when i preach um i'm thankful that these are god's words and i i'm my job is to pass them on very aware that it's so as i did give that today i thought man this is more of a probably more of a struggle for you than anybody else that might listen <laughs> listen to this and and will remain so i think till i pop my clogs whenever it is i think i have you know there is an institution institutionalized nature i think a little bit to me and it'll be a constant work of grace and i think i'll be one of the ones really embarrassed um when i meet my savior who says see and i'll go crikey yeah you know i think i'll be i'll be i'll be in the group that will be really embarrassed there's no no getting getting around that Mm -hmm. but you know i still take the lesson and i'm happy to 
be chiselled and worked on? I think that, um, so I hear what you're saying, Paul, about it's a spirit, a spirit work of God in us. Do you think there's something in terms of what we feed the spirit or the room that we give the spirit that there's worth kind of pursuing into? Yeah, yeah. So, so the uh, generations and de yeah, centuries before us, they would have used a, a, maybe the quaint phrase, but it is an incredibly profound uh, phrase, attending to the means of grace. So there are okay. there are means that God has given to us to open the door to the growing of grace in our hearts, and that okay. is the fellowship with God's people. It is submitting in prayer and teaching from God's word. It is attending to that constant reminder that Jesus died for us on the cross as we share communion together. They're the means that God has given us for us to constantly be softened in our hearts. So, you know, David says that he he meditates on God's word day and night. We, we, we are in an unusual historical time and location geographically where the vast majority of people are able to read the Bible themselves. But historically, that would have meant that the Bible would have been read to you at some point and you would take that away and you would store it up in your mind and you would think about it through the rest of the week. And um, you would have little thoughts that would go off while you're plowing the field or while you're working in the shop or whatever it might be, because you're constantly meditating on God's word. You are you are attending to that that means of grace that God has given to us. And, you know, that old language, we might not like it and it might sound quaint, but it is the way in which we are shaped. Um, and yeah, as a, as a 21st century church to attend to those means of grace is profoundly important. Uh, and then we say, you know, I don't feel as if I'm growing. I don't feel as if I'm spiritually move, moving forward. And that's very often when we're not attending to the means of grace that God has given to us. Uh, and it's only grace moving in us that will cause us to want to attend to those those means. <laughs> yeah, and, it's cyclical. Yeah, yeah. So Paul says, get on with it. <laughs> he says, just do it. Um, yeah. And then realize that it's God who's working in you for you to want to do it. Yeah. Attending to the means of grace. I like that. I feel like uh, we'll, we'll need to Call commission some day. artwork on that. Attending to the means of grace. Very good. Very good. Um, I was reminded uh, this week, and with this we'll close, um, but I was reminded this week of uh, the doxology. I was listening. It was a song, um, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. Mm. And uh, We've been apparently we've been singing that as a kind of closing uh, prayer over each other for 400 years, which is incredible, isn't it? For 400 wow. years, God's people have sung praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I, knowing that we were thinking about giving this week, I thought, you know, I wonder if we truly thanked God that all blessings flow from him. If that would change us, I wonder if that's um, a way of attending to the to the to the ways of grace or the, the means of grace um, in our lives. But that just uh, really hit me this week that we would praise God in our week, from whom all all blessings flow. Paul, would you just close for us in prayer? Would that be okay? Uh, I will. Uh, I won't sing to you. 
Um, you can if you point. want. Yeah, don't let me stop you. <laughs> if the spirit moves, Paul. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe it would be a good way to close. Let me close with that. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly host. Praise Father. Praise Son. Praise Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, thanks Ash, for your word to us. And thanks the team who uh, help us do this. It's great. Nice to be with you all. Have a great week and we'll hope to see you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. I know.